Welcome to the Lesbian Review Podcast. I'm Sheena and Tara's joining me today for a very special edition. Today we're looking at Lee Winter's books. So we're going to pick them apart and dissect them and look at them from every which angle because, you know, as women who love women, we like looking at things from all angles. Mm-hmm. Including all of Lee Winter's books. <laughs> at length. It's true. So why Lee Winter, you may ask? Well, just because she's brilliant. That's pretty much it. Mm-hmm. I have a, a serious uh, book crush on her work. Oh my goodness, I know. And I, like, from the first book when it came out, I couldn't shut up about her books because I just loved them so much. It's true. And you kept trying to get me to read The Red, Red Files. My gosh, I think you tried for like a year and a half before I actually did read it. Mm-hmm. And uh, you pushed and pushed, and only after I read Requiem for Immortals did I actually pick up The Red Files. Which, unfortunately, I think is the wrong order. I think you're right. Yeah. Um, Because I didn't love the Red Files and I loved Requiem for Immortals. I mean, I didn't hate the Red Files. It just, the thing about Requiem for Immortals is it just blew my mind. Oh, yeah. But let's start, before we get ahead of ourselves and talk about my absolute favorite of her work, let's talk about what book she did in in order. So her first book was The Red Files. Yeah. And the second book was Requiem for Immortals. And then this year she released Shattered. Mm-hmm. And at the end of this year, she's going to release a short story called Love Is Not Nothing, which is a kind of a, a mini follow-up to Requiem for Immortals. So those are the four published books from Lee Winter that we've seen from Lee Winter. She's done other bits of writing in the form of fan fiction, but mm-hmm. we're not looking at those today. I did a follow-up as well to The Red Files called Flashbang, which is fun, and if you read The Red Files and you love it, you can pick it up. If you haven't read it, don't pick it up, because you really need to read The Red Files first. Is it on Amazon? Mm, I think so. Uh, Let's check. What is it called? It's called Flashbang, and actually, interestingly, I read it first because I was cash-strapped at the time and not a reviewer at the Lesbian Review. I don't recommend doing that. And I can explain why when we actually talk about the Red Files. Huh. According to Amazon, no. So where did you pick it up? The Ilva site. They had it up on their site for free. Oh, yes. Okay, so Ilva every now and then. Ilva's the publisher who's published all of these novels, and we love Ilva. They're a great publisher, and Astrid has some very interesting ideas on how to find authors and and what kind of books she wants to publish. So Ilva's website. So it's ilva-publishing, I think. Dot, I think it's a dot com. You can look up Ilva Dash Publishing and find some free stories on their website every now and then. So Flashbang might still be there. Go check it out. Yeah. Okay, so let's. So Tara, because she has such a gorgeous voice, is going to do the reading of the synopsis for us of The Red Files. All right. Behold my sexy Canadian accent. <laughs> Said no person ever. All right, so for the Red Files. Lauren King is too smart for her job on the entertainment beat, covering celebrity parties for LA's Daily Central, but it's a stepping stone towards her dream of political reporting in DC. Catherine Ayers, aka the Caustic Queen, is also in the celebrity gossip reporting ring of hell, having been cast down from Washington after getting caught up in a reporting scandal. Everyone stays away from Ayers and her precise, vicious insults, except Lauren, who can't seem to help taunting the dragon. One night at the elite launch of a revolutionary payroll service, Lauren and Ayers each notice something odd. A whole bunch of prostitutes from definitely not LA have been brought to the party to mingle, but service no one. 
When Lauren talks to the bus driver about to take them away from the event, she learns he was also asked to pick up a pallet of pink champagne, which was never served at the party. It has been paid for by the state of Nevada. They may not be able to talk without sniping at one another, but Lauren and Ayers know one thing. There's a story worth chasing together. Did I write that? You did. This is good. Oh, yeah. That's really good. <laughs> I think that was one of the first ones that I did for you. So I just, and because I just reread the book, I'm like, huh, now I want to read the book. That's enticing. <laughs> well, what can I say, Tara? You're awesome. Yes. All right. Okay. That was her first book. Then last year she published Requiem for Immortals and... And our lives were changed. Our lives were definitely changed. Yeah. Oh, am I reading this one too? Yes, you are with your sexy Canadian accent. Oh, oh my god. I, I'm just imagining like Lee Winter is gonna listen to this and she's gonna go between like blushing furiously at all the things that we're saying and laughing at what an idiot I am. <laughs> I yeah, no, I think she's gonna go laughing at uh, what an idiot we both are. I don't think it's just exclusively you because <laughs> Okay, so Requiem for Immortals. The story is about Natalia and Allison. Natalia is a highly regarded cellist. Staying on top of her game requires rigorous discipline and training, but so does being the assassin Requiem, which is the other part of her life. One day she is sent a contract to kill Allison, but she has to wait a few weeks before she can do it. So she starts to follow Allison, and the more she uncovers about the woman, the more she believes that she is nothing more than a little mouse of a person. This leads to a beautiful, well-thought-out, excellently executed psychological thriller with enough twists and turns to keep any reader happy. Okay, so shattered. Shattered. This is the story of Lena and Shattergirl. Lena is the best tracker around. Her job is to track down and bring back rogue guardians, an alien race who took refuge on Earth a hundred years ago. The guardians are essentially superheroes who each have unique powers and, in exchange for allowing them to stay, humans ask them to use their superpowers to help us. Now Lena has to go after Shattergirl, a brilliant, sexy lesbian superhero who can fly and hurl large objects around. Lena has never failed to bring in missing guardians, but Shattergirl is the highest profile guardian she has had to go after. And this time, having a silver tongue, a no-holds-barred approach to doing her job, and a brilliant mind might not be enough to bring in this mysterious woman. This is the story of what happens when you pit a superhero with superior intelligence and super strength willpower against a smart-ass, street-savvy human who doesn't care much for guardians. And then there's Love is Not Nothing, which is a very short follow-up story about what happens to natalia and allison later after yeah like two years after the very end of requiem spoiler it's real good (laughs) yes spoiler these are all really good and you should go read them all okay so if you haven't read them i'm going to give you a big warning now we're probably going to talk about spoilers we have quotes from the the books coming up we talk about themes that she goes into we talk about incidents in the book and so you can listen but i suggest you go read the books first Oh, seriously? We're going to go spoilers? Like, we can talk honestly? Yes. Oh, I've been waiting, like, a year and a half for this conversation. So, just to put everybody in the loop, both Tara and I reread a bunch of, of the books just before this podcast. So we know, like, we right on in the front of our minds. And I actually, like, literally rereading Requiem, finishing it yesterday morning. I was finishing it on the train, and I was so close to being done. But I wasn't done when when my train stopped that I sat outside the station on a bench just so that I could finish it before I walked to the office because I couldn't leave that go for the whole day. That's how good it is, people. It is like a be a little bit late for work kind of book. 
Uh, I think that is the perfect description, actually. Mm, absolutely. Okay. So the first thing about Lee Winter novels is the complicated nature of the plot and the story building. What I love and appreciate is that no two books are the same. She will never follow the formulaic kind of strategy of telling a story. And you have to pay attention to everything she puts in there because it's like like building a little house. Each story piece and plot point is a brick in the structure that forms the ultimate story. I, I don't know if I've read anybody quite as complex in their storytelling as Winter. I feel like there are people who do stories that are solely driven by story or they do books that are solely driven by the characters. I feel like she's the only one who does both equally well. Absolutely. I mean, that's so interesting for me because she interweaves the character growth and the plot so intricately that it's actually quite masterful. And when I read her work, I actually get kind of depressed about any writing I've ever done because... Mine is nowhere near as complex. We're going to find out when you finally let the world see it. So let's talk about the, the four books, all right? So what's interesting for me is her books are neither are, are never either plot-driven or character-driven. They're different. So Red Files, for me, was very plot-driven, right? There's this big mystery they have to solve. Where do these hookers come from? What's with a pink champagne? And so it's it's about the journalists chasing the story. And through that... We see them, their character evolution. But the character evolution is driven by the plot. Yep, absolutely. In Requiem for Immortals, it's a character-driven story. And the plot is almost driven by the characters. In Mm -hmm. fact, the plot is definitely driven by the characters. Except for the big reveal, which is a plot twist. But that, and then that sort of changes the character dynamic when we find out who Alison actually is. Yeah, I I can't I can't disagree. All right, keep keep going. I can't think of how I want to respond. <laughs> I have a response, I can't pull it together. Okay. So Shattered was extremely character driven and there was if you look at the actual plot there was hardly any plot until the last kind of third of the book where because because of the character work that had happened in the first lot, in the first sort of two-thirds of the book, suddenly there was like a plot now, and they had to yeah. to change the world, essentially. Yeah. Okay, this is what I mean by, by the story building is complex, and it's so interwoven with the character, but it's almost like the one informs the other one, and she, she, she picks a, a route, but doesn't necessarily stay with it, so... Like, Requiem was character, 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 and then suddenly there was a plot twist, and then there was more character. Well, and even then, I think for me, the the brilliance there was, it was all Natalia slash Requiem, because it is very much like going in and out between the two halves of her whole. Um, and then, kind of plot twist, and then, oh wait, we're going to shift perspectives now. And it was that actually letting us get Allison's perspective and it was just so brilliantly done and following her through to the end and getting to see kind of the rest of Natalia's arc through her eyes, which still gave us a complete view into it because it ensured like if Allison didn't understand it, we wouldn't have understood it. And it wouldn't have meant as much without getting Allison's understanding at the same time. 
Absolutely. And this is the only book that Winter's done that with. Was Requiem for Mortals. Winter has stuck to one point of view in all her other books. Even even the short story, Love is Not Nothing, sticks with, with Natalia's point of view and doesn't change switch points of view. And I think... I think this might be why I think Requiem for Immortals was the best of her work. Because you got an intimate knowledge, an intimate feeling of both characters. Absolutely. It was definitely that. And on top of that, I think the thing that got me was that the tone shifted because we were following their perspectives. Like, everything shifted. So that, like, first half or however much it is, like, that first chunk that is Natalia Requiem has this very, like dark and yet passionate and just a very different tone to when you switch to Allison's perspective there's still um there's still a gravitas to it like it's not like it all of a sudden turns into like a rom-com or something that would have been garbage like it still fit with the book but it's very different because you get that kind of essence who of who Allison is with it yes the plot twist happens while Allison is, is while in her point of view and then she reveals through memories as she's thinking about it her sort of the the key moments in her story that has led up to where they the the two the two points of view merge and so we get to see her her kind of backstory in in snippets and then suddenly she reveals to requiem who she actually is yeah and that moment because we know Requiem so well by now. Yeah. And now we know Allison. That moment is... And getting to see Requiem's response to that. Like, that she actually has a physical response to it. This woman who responds to nothing through conscious effort or whatever was so brilliant. It was just so... It was such a revealing moment even if... Allison doesn't quite understand the significance of it at that point. Yes. Mm. This is going to turn into us just talking about Requiem for the whole episode. I'm wondering. <laughs> okay. So, so Requiem was really the, the big one with a big plot twist that was a character-driven narrative. Shattered was entirely character driven, but there wasn't a huge plot twist. I mean, there was a kind of a, a small reveal about a character about the the one main character, but it wasn't. There was actually a reveal about there was a reveal about both of the main characters. That's true. That's true. There was. Um, we discover that that Naya's not actually, you know, just a superhero. She's the superhero. Yeah. And we discover that um, Lena is actually part superhero but it doesn't actually change who they are not really it doesn't really change no. the characters or the plot what it does do though is it drives lena to to push to change the way the superheroes are yeah well and it's i yeah because for them it's all about like they're both entirely disillusioned like Lena used to look up to the superheroes and now she's just sick of them because she's having to drag in kind of what she sees as the waste. And Lena is tired of effectively like the forced slavery for for what? For these people that don't change? Like they've been helping humanity for how long? And 
nothing has changed. They're still all horrible to each other. So no wonder that she just takes off to this isolated part of the world so she can just be and just have peace finally. Yeah, because she went from being the big boss to being a slave. Yeah, and and being fronted by like a complete jackass. Yes. Which, I mean, gee, how often does it happen that a woman <laughs> has to be represented by a man <laughs> who is That's like that? An interesting theme is is feminism. There's quite a lot of feminism in in Winter's works. Come to think of it, because yeah. in Requiem for Immortals, there's a speech that. Requiem gives to Alison where she says it's something about how they like don't know their their own strength or they don't live within their own power or something like that 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 we let ourselves be almost like shadows and something to that effect right and then in the red files I mean they go after the well essentially it's it's women versus men in the red files hey it's the two female reporters and it's all the guys yeah yeah, it's true. Yeah, I would say they're more, they're definitely more overtly feminist than a lot of lesbic. Um, because I think there's kind of, reading, reading lesbic is in, in some ways kind of essentially um, a feminist and a political act and the fact that we can even do it and we can do it publicly. Like if you remember when Rachel Spangler came on my podcast and was talking about how in the 50s um, you could have a story with a woman falling in love with a woman, but you couldn't actually have them let them have a happy ending or else they couldn't even ship the books. So the it doesn't like writing lesbian romance and i know that lee winter isn't writing many lesbian romances but still like the fact that we can write about women loving women and giving them a happy ending which she does do in some of her books um actually is like it's a it's it is a political act and it's a really recent act and the fact that we can do it and celebrate it is huge and i love that she pushes it further than that though yeah, no, anyway, so that's just to say, like, I, I love that it's explicitly stating it out there because it is also true, right? Like, there are plenty of women who don't allow their fullest selves out for anyone else to see because they don't feel like they can, um, because they're afraid to take that space. It's It's like we have this space that we all carry around ourselves, but many women kind of manage to fold it in somewhat so that we don't take up as much space, so that we don't attract notice. And I know that that's something that I used to do, especially in my 20s. Like, it's very easy to try to be as small as possible because if you don't draw attention, then maybe you won't have to deal with as much sexism or if you're a queer woman with as much homophobia or biphobia or whatever. Um, it's easier to just live that quiet life. And I love that Requiem is like, knock it off. Oh my God make a mark in the world, be who you're going to be. And when Allison does, it is glorious and is why she is my greatest character crush right now. Like nobody can even tell me anything about Allison because that's just not going to happen. Like I love her so much. And Requiem actually says to her, she says, I'm proud of you. I'm proud that you've done this, you know? And I thought that was kind of sweet. Oh, I love it. I love her. 
I love both of them. Okay. That's it. So that's that's one of the themes in one of the common themes in Winter's work. Another one is uh she tends to sort of have a mystery which and what I mean by that is not like necessarily a mystery like go solve this thing, but she doesn't actually tell you what the story's about at the beginning. So you kind of have to read to find out what's going to happen. Yeah, absolutely. With all three of her books. And even, like, the blurb for Shatter Girl says very little. Like, I know that when I was writing my review for it for Curve, I was like, how do I even talk about what this book is about? Because the blurb says nothing. (laughs) Like... And so how do you talk about and how do you talk about it without spoiling it? Thank goodness we don't have that restriction in this episode. But like when you're trying to write a review that gives people enough information so they know if they want to buy the book, but not so much information that you've gone ahead and spoiled it. So what's the point of buying the book? Like that that was actually I think one of the trickier ones that I've done in the last year for that reason. Well, try try explaining Requiem. I I I, I did. I did. I sat for hours trying to trying to figure out how to write a blurb that kind of explained enough so that you get a sense of what the story's about without ruining everything. I know. I know. I, I did the the exact same thing when I did the review for Requiem as well. It was just one of those... I, I think I ended up talking mostly about passion and not about, like, any of the content of it. Exactly. Exactly. So, so she does this, and that's what I mean by building the story. So you... She has all these bricks, but you, you, if you take one out, the whole story collapses. And it's interesting, I was talking to her about it, and I, was, I said to her, it's actually like, I don't understand how she can keep all this in her brain. Because it's, I mean, she must have like huge mind maps, you know, just to sort of plot out everything that's going to happen in the story. And she says to me, she's actually really fortunate, she has a really good memory for details. So, that shows absolutely in her work. Well, it's a... Good thing I'm never going to be an author then because I have a crap memory. (laughs) Another sort of theme in Lee Winter novels is don't expect a happy ever after. It doesn't generally happen in her books. So now Tara's giving me the side eye and she's like, no, no, I'm going to disagree with you now. All right, Tara, go forth. (sighs) How spoilery are we getting? Like, legit. How? I get spoilery? All right. Uh, Red Files, for sure, has a happily ever after. Because Ayers proposes to Lauren in front of a room full of Washington reporters. They have a happy ever after. That's just, that is a thing. Um, I would say that Rec Room ended with a happy for now. Um, for sure. It definitely ended with a happy for now. But now, having read Love is Not Nothing, I actually have to, like, I see that as part of their story now. They should actually be packaged together in the same book so that I can have that book on my shelf with all my books I love. Um, But (laughs) please and thank you. Can we make that happen? Lee Winter or Astrid, please make that happen. So anyway, but, like, once you actually put that on as, like, an extra epilogue or whatever... I I don't think they're going to break up. Like, I think that is that is the happily ever after. Because Requiem, Natalia, 
can't... Oh, I feel like it's unfair to talk about this story before anybody has a chance to read it. Yeah, okay, I'll end it there. I feel like that's their... Okay. That, for okay. me, cemented them as having a happy ever after. Even if, like, yes, things can happen, one of them can die, whatever, you know, happens to split real people up. I get that. But, like, I don't feel like their relationship is tentative or in peril. I agree with you. Okay. But now let's talk about Shattered. Okay, well, Shattered, no. That's, that's not even a happy for now. It's not a romance. It's just, it's not a romance. They bang. In the best sex scene ever. Right. And I think that's the thing that I love about that, though, is that it showed that sex doesn't always happen in the confines of a romantic relationship or as a one-night stand. That sex can also happen within a friendship. Which I don't think is something that we acknowledge culturally, but is actually a thing that happens. Since we're talking about sex, let's talk about sex in winter's books all right and i agree with you 100 percent. i think uh apart from the fact that that was the most epic sex scene ever i literally messaged winter while i was reading it and i was like oh my gosh there's flying sex in this book <laughs> <laughs> this is like the best thing ever oh my god uh-huh. there's flying sex how has there not been flying sex in superhero books before um <laughs> I don't know if there has been superhero books or not. I read it, like, back when I was stuck reading Hetero Romance, because I didn't know that, you know, lesbic was a thing. Um, there was a series yeah, that I read ages. with... Back in the dark ages. Right? Oh, my God. How did I live? There was a series of, um, with, like, angels and vampires and whatever. That was actually, like, it was a pretty good series by Nalini Singh, and there is totally um, sex in the air with some of the angels together. And these are not, like, goody-two-shoe angels. These are, like, will murder a bad person angels. But I much preferred the sex scene in Shattered. Let's be honest. Well, the thing about Lee Winter and her sex scenes that she writes. I like how you added the scenes there after a delay, because guess what? We don't know about her and her angels. I know. that. So my brain caught up finally. I realized I needed to add that. <laughs> because you also need to understand, for me, Lee Winters, this person that sits in front of the keyboard and writes books for me to read. So, okay. Right. Right. Despite having like an, an actual full life with her girlfriend and interests and activities. No, not at all. She just writes books that I can read. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Just for you. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. So she actually uses her sex as a plot device. Always, in all of her books. Her sex... Okay, so in The Red Files, they had, there was like a lot of chemistry between the two main characters from quite early on. And when they finally do have sex, it's actually quite a turning point for them in their relationship. And no matter how much is wants to pretend that nothing... It, it means nothing. She actually can't. She, she tries to suppress. She tries to suppress. And then it all comes bubbling out because, frankly, the chemistry between them is undeniable. Right? Mm-hmm. But sex is is a plot point for that that turn in her in her character from from being able to say no to not being able to say no. Mm-hmm. In Requiem for Immortals, Requiem herself, when she was the, the killer, used sex for power. She felt desire, but really she she liked the power of sex more than anything else. So she would Well, there's a scene. I don't have the language to classify what this scene is, but basically it's a power play between Requiem and, and 
Nabi. Requiem is confronted by this other killer, and then she has sex with her in an alley. But it's yeah. a very one-sided thing. It's a huge power play, and that's the first time we see any kind of sex in the book. Like, I think she she actually states a couple of times in, in the book that sex is just a power thing for her. The thing that was interesting with that was that she said basically that, that, that Nabi was the first one who came close to actually getting her off through through just this like her skill with what she was doing because it was always before requiem teaching a lesson requiem taking what was hers and and whatever and so she gets nobby off quite quickly and easily um because this is something that nobby's wanted for a long time and then when she says well do you want your chance at me she actually denies herself something that she quite wants in the moment um, because she wants to be able to make her point more than she wants the orgasm Yes, because it's about power. And if she loses, if she has an orgasm, she loses control. And I actually wonder, though, would, if Nabi knew that that was how it was going to go, would she have still agreed to the encounter? That in itself is a complicated relationship. Oh, yeah. And then the scene at the, (laughs) so the scene at the end. And then the scene at the end, yes, is the big turning point. For the two characters, it's it's the point where Natalia gives in to Alison and they have sex. And it's... It's not your typical sex scene. It really isn't. I, I don't even... I, it's so... Yeah. It's not your typical <laughs> sex scene. <laughs> it's still very one-sided for the most part. It really is like Natalia doing things to pull orgasms out of Allison because she knows that it's what Allison wants. But at the same time, there's not the same kind of a power play. And while I don't think people would typically see it as reciprocal that Requiem, because Requiem gets herself off. She doesn't let Allison touch her. But for her, that is still a very reciprocal thing. Because it's kind of the most she can give at that point. And she also says later that she did that. And actually, like, literally, like, stripped herself naked for Allison. And she and she touched herself because she knew that that was something that Allison would want to see. So it's kind of that, like, meeting her as close to halfway as she possibly could at that point in time. Like, it helps show that kind of evolution of her character. Yes. But she wasn't all the way there yet because... While this was a major turning point in the story, she still wouldn't let Alison kiss her. Okay, are we talking about their first kiss? Are we talking about that? Are we talking about that now? Oh my god. Okay, okay. How brilliant. Oh my god. How brilliant is it that, first of all, their first kiss is in the epilogue. But more than that, that it's actually Requiem's, that it's Natalia's first kiss. It's her first real kiss. And it happens at that moment of saying, I need you to be a part of my life. And this is actually quite a just... way, quite a way past the time they have sex. So it's like, okay. like a Month year or, it's like... or two years later or something. It's like a long time in the future. Yeah. Yeah, because they have sex. She goes off. She lives her life. And then she actually realizes that her life... She 
she can live without killing. She can't live without Allison. Yes. And, oh, so good. It makes me feel feelings. Even just, like, rereading it, it was so good. I mean, that was why I had to sit on a bench outside of the train station so I could finish the book. Because I was like, how how can I stop in the most emotional scene of the book? In what actually is one of the most emotional books that I've read. Like, oh, it's so good. All right. This did turn into a fangirling about Requiem episode. Well, I was trying not to, but you keep talking about it. Okay, so so in Shattered, the sex scene is also a powerful turning point for both main characters. Because it's not a like, okay, we're going to live happily ever after sort of thing. Now, what it is, it's, it's a kind of a release for both of them. It's a sort of a big emotional letting go. Yeah. It's what lets them step into that next stage of their lives. Yes. It's like they breathe out. Mm-hmm. Um, can we talk about that first kiss in the Red Files while we're still on the topic of sex? Not necessarily the sex scene. The sex scene was very good when, when, they, when they have sex. That's fine. But I think that's one of my favorite first kiss scenes ever. Because it kind of took, like, there's all that sniping and back and forth. And and the book is told from Lauren's perspective. And we know that she's getting attracted. And it kind of is that moment where it's like, oh, yeah, okay. We're pretty sure that Ayers has been attracted to her, too. But now we definitely know for sure. And also, by the way, we definitely know now that she's a lesbian. And it's super hot. And it's not even that long of a scene. But it was so good that when I finished rereading it, I may have immediately messaged Sheena at a fangirl about how good it is. In fact, you suggested a top 10 list. I did! I stand by that! <laughs> okay. Um, yes. It was it was her coming out moment for Ez in the in the book. But this is after a lot of chemistry and build-up and, and moments where like, she's looking at uh, the other one's stomach and, mm-hmm. you, know, mm-hmm. you know, sexy moments. Well, and the thing that I think I also like about their relationship a whole lot um, is that it's not even just chemistry and that kind of, like, attraction building up. There's also a building up of mutual respect. Because they don't particularly like each other at first, and they definitely don't treat each other with, with respect. And so their relationship building is also that, like, getting to appreciate each other's like brains and um like they're they're what do you what do you call business acumen for journalism whatever that's called they're like their understanding of each other as as journalists like that comes along at the same time in a way that is really really good because even when we see other workplace romances we don't necessarily see an appreciation for each other's skills as employees and that actually is something that happens here i mean i'm i'm a woman in tech right like i i'm not a woman in journalism but i still appreciate the other women that i work with in tech who are brilliant and it's nice to see that kind of a of an appreciation growing between the two of them I think I get the feeling that Lauren always kind of looked up to Ez professionally. She knew she was a big shot. 
all this sort of stuff. And she really just wanted to learn. She was like super ambitious and stuff. But, mm-hmm. but there's a moment when Ez compliments her work. That like really yeah. means a lot to her. And I love that mm-hmm. between them. So this kind of mentor mentee thing. And then, which, which sort of is not that surprising considering there was an age gap between yeah them. there was and considering there was like a big professional gap between them the one was kind of starting out and the other one was a fallen big shot yeah all her all her books have age gaps don't they yes yeah there's another common theme right there age gaps all of them age gaps okay so um thawing the ice queen though is absolutely the most oh my God. prevalent yeah. of lee winter's yeah. themes and what I like about the way she does it is she she chooses the perfect counterpart for the Ice Queen. The only kind of person who is able to thaw the Ice Queen. So do you want to just explain what a thawing the Ice Queen novel is for those that don't know? Yeah. And also, because I don't want to forget to say it at the end of this explanation, we actually did a top 10 list of thawing the Ice Queen, Taming the Beast uh, podcast for anybody who wants more stories like that. You should definitely check that out. Because it's 10, probably 12, awesome books and stories. I'm being honest with myself. I always throw extras in. I just can't remember if I threw extras in on that. Um, so Thawing Ice Queen is when there is a very closed off, often quite nasty. It's, it's, different, it's different from the closed off women that you might find in a recluse novel. Um, because in that case, they've just isolated themselves. This is even more than that. You think they've maybe emotionally isolated themselves and then they've put up like all of these really big prickly walls of ice around themselves that no one is able to come across and people avoid them because they're kind of afraid of having their head taken off or whatever. But, you know, there's a woman who's not as afraid of her and she melts all those walls by either being a smart ass like lauren in the red files or being quite pure and good and brilliant like allison is in requiem and and allison was a little bit broken hey and um, wanted to fix her there was definitely an element of that there was but at the same time i actually think she's right near the end of the book when she says you look broken you're a little bit broken but you're actually really solid i look solid and i am a mess under the surface absolutely but it's okay we're not gonna get into this (laughs) (laughs) but yes but without without requiem ellison would not have had the the courage no without without question she never would have done that on her own so Uh No, we are we are actually in agreement. <laughs> so, and then in Shattered, we've got Lena, who's the smart ass, yeah, the the cocky loner, and she pushes and pushes and pushes, and doesn't let Naya get away with anything Mm-mm. at all. I'm looking forward to her. I'm looking forward to her next one too, which I don't. Is it out this year or next year? Sure. I think it's next year. I forget what it's even called. But this is going to be Lee Winter's straight up like first actual romance novel. And it's going to be an age gap thawing the ice queen. And I'm really looking forward to seeing what she what she does with it. Because, you know, she took on 
these other, like, she took on the thriller genre. She took on superheroes. She took on mystery slash romantic suspense. So I am particularly excited to see what happens when she throws the full force of her focus on uh, romance and thawing an ice queen. Now, that's the thing about thawing an ice queen. It's very traditionally a romance sort of genre, right? So typically you would have the, the ice queen and the whoever it is that thaws her the not end up in a relationship yep right except i had to to reshuffle all my my tags because shattered is a thawing the ice queen and it's not a romance no no so it shattered my tagging system oh Oh, see that, that alone, hearing you say that was worth getting up today. It's beautiful. <laughs> okay. So the red files. So Lauren is the yin to Ez's yang. And here's a line that so perfectly describes the, the ice queen in this book. Okay. Hit it, Tara. Lauren wondered where this airs had been for the past year. I don't get it. All I've ever seen from you is a complete lack of interest in anything going on at work. This is the first time you've even looked sideways at a news story. Why now? Why my story? You might have appalling fashion sense and a cringeworthy vocabulary that would make a teamster blush, but you might just have good news sense. <laughs> She's such a bitch. <laughs> well, exactly. This is what makes these people such brilliant ice queens. Okay. Oh, okay. She's like such a delicious bitch. I love... Ugh. So Lauren will, will often rise to the occasion and, you know, say something snippy back, but not always. And she calls she calls Ez out on her nonsense. And I think through doing that, Ez finally realizes that actually, you know, she has become this, this real bitch and maybe she needs to take a look at that. Okay, and so then in Requiem, this is a very good example of... So they're in they're having a kind of a date in this scene. And they're at, at a, a bar across the road from the right. place where Natalia just played. Yeah. And so Allison says, God, what will happen if you ever face an emotional storm you can't handle that's too big for you to suppress through sheer force of will? Well, that will never happen. It's all about discipline. Natalia finished her drink and placed the glass neatly on the table. And that pretty much sounds like Natalia's ice queen thing. Everything is controlled. Everything in her life is perfect. And she won't let anything be less than that. And that's what makes her the ice queen is it's so she refuses to be emotional because emotional emotions are messy. Mm-hmm. And then in Shattered <laughs> Mm-hmm. This is them in Socotra, I think that's how you say it. I'm assuming in the cave, uh, where they have many of their conversations. And Lena says, you're just going to do nothing? What are you so afraid of that you'd prefer to cower in here? Are you quite finished? Naya's voice was sharp. Not yet, Lena said hotly. <laughs> Which is just a beautiful summary of pretty much the whole book. Yeah, that's them right there. Right. So ice queens play a huge part in all of Lee Winter's novels. And I love them. And I love that it's never the same character twice. And it's never the same character who's thawing them twice. I think it's fantastic. Another thing that Winters does really nicely is humor. And she was actually a humor columnist, I think, for a newspaper. Mm -hmm. That comes through in a lot of her work. Interestingly enough, I didn't find 
humor. I didn't find any humorous quotes in uh, Shattered at all. It's not. Um, that's the thing with that book is that I think with it being a superhero book and with it having an illustrated cover, people might expect something kind of like fun and lighthearted and fighty and whatever. And it's not that at all. I found it to be a very thoughtful book, a very like it's a book that kind of contemplates where we're at politically right now in the world. And it also does a lot of thinking about like the pressures of celebrity. And so there, yeah, I agree. The humor wasn't there. The same as like rereading the red files had me like smiling and laughing, even though it's the third time I've read it and Requiem. I wouldn't say is a funny book as a whole, but it has its moments. It definitely um, does. That worked very well. Yes. Okay, so so two two lines. So one from Requiem, which I just I thought it was the best line ever. I laughed again when I was reading this the other day. Um, and this is Requiem talking to or I suppose in that moment Natalia um talking to Allison's um because Allison's niece is going to be joining them for something. And she says, is that going to be a problem? No problem at all, she said and smiled. Kids and I get on just fine. Well, almost true. She had talked to a child once. It had not run away. <laughs> that is the best quote. <laughs> and then in the Red Files, like the difference in humor in the Red Files is it's much uh, snappier and it's got a much more kind of a, a slightly mean tinge to it. Because what's, what's humorous about it was the moments when people were calling out other people. Yeah. So the the line that you pulled here is actually from Joshua, who is one of Lauren's best friends, and he's her neighbor. And he says, so my fashion-curdled cherub, let me get this straight. But that's actually a lot like even um, when Ayers is talking about how, you know, she dresses horribly and talks like a teamster. Like, it just... It's so good. Yes. The dialogue actually is why I love the red files so much why i fell in love with it in the first place and why i'm still in love with it okay so why the red files give me a quick rundown why is this your favorite of the the bunch um i actually okay confession i don't know if it's my favorite anymore requiem might actually be my favorite now wait i'm um, gonna fall off my chair for a second i know right <laughs> sound effect sound effect you know off the chair <laughs> um but I would still say that The Red Files is one of my favorite, very favorite books. So I will talk about why it is still one of my favorite, very favorite books, which I think I've done in a couple of other podcasts at length. So I'll try to keep it short. But if you want to hear me do that again, you can look up the episode where Brooklyn and I talked about it as a book club book or the episode where G. Benson, the author, came and joined me to talk about books that she loved. And we both fangirled at length about Red Files. I love the dialogue. For starters, it is so like crisp and snappy and it just moves along at a pace and it's a joy to read. It's reminiscent of those um, movies from the 1940s or late 30s with people like Katherine Hepburn and Cary Grant. And, you know, it, it, it has that kind of a pace to it, sort of like the Philadelphia story or like His Girl Friday, which, of course, is a movie about journalists. But I also love the character growth. We not only see the Ice Queen thaw with Ayers, but we also see Lauren mature 
she really kind of in in a lot of ways she, in especially professionally she grows up a lot in the course of this book not that she's young she's in her early 30s but there is still like we get to see that when she goes from wanting to be a real journalist to actually kind of achieving her career goals and getting it to move into that next stage of her life and that mutual respect that i was talking about that that's just not something that you see that often in fiction and i loved getting to see that and it's just a joy to read. It's just fun to read. It's pure fun from the beginning to the end with a mystery that's fun to to tease out, with sex that's fun to read, with a smooshy happy ending that makes my heart happy because I like happy endings. So that's why I love it. And I, even though I think I actually love Requiem more now, I would never turn to Requiem as a comfort read if I was having a difficult time in my life and I could always turn to the red files for that because it's going to make me smile no matter what I'm feeling. Okay. That was maybe not as short as I'd hoped it would be, but I can't help it because I love it that much. So I did a lot of soul searching and trying to figure out why Requiem for Immortals, what was different about this book versus the rest of Winter's books. And I came to the following conclusion. While it's an ice Storing the Ice Queen romance, it has got very many of the same characteristics, great writing style that flows through all of all of her books. What it does differently is we get to see the emotional journey from the Ice Queen's point of view, at least for part of the book. So you really get to emotionally connect with Requiem and slash Natalia, right? And she didn't do that in any of the other in any of her other books. And I think that's why, for me, Requiem for Immortals is a much more emotional journey. And it's a much better read. Mm -hmm. It's a better book. Like, without question, it's a better book. It's better written. There's more character depth. It's like, it's just, it's better. It's the best of all of her books. And frankly, it's one of the best books that we read last year. Uh, it's one of the best books I've read Ever. Ever. I I'm definitely going to say that, yeah. But because we get to see things from Natalia's point of view, we can watch her thawing. And not from, from the point of view of the person who's thawing them, but from her point of view. We can watch that internal battle that she goes through as her world is shifting. And that had me entirely captivated. And we get to know her enough in that part of the book that we understand what's happening in the final stages of the thawing i guess yes yes exactly and that's what i felt was kind of missing in the red files for me is i was missing Catherine's emotional journey I, I didn't connect with her as much as i did with i'm i'm hoping that she because she is going to write a sequel she's been talking about writing a sequel since it came out i'm hoping that it's going to be from air's perspective that would be brilliant and i think would also help it not just be another red files book not that she ever would right like she already every book is already so different but i think it would let it kind of be a part of a series but also be its own book that people could come to on its own without having read the first one okay so so here's here's a line Oh, well, here's some lines from requiem for immortals that i pulled out that, that so beautifully summarizes exactly what i've just said Okay, so this is Requiem speaking. She says, don't, she snapped. Don't look at me like that. What have you done to me? What is this? 
Ellison responds. This is emotion. I don't like it. It's chaos, she said and straightened, eyes icy and cool. This is exactly what I'm talking about. So you get right in there, like you can see the emotion, the turmoil and what's changing within her. And this for me is why I think Requiem for Immortals is Lee Winter's best book. It's so good. Because I think if, if she had done this, if we had seen this level of emotion from her other ice queens, not that I think she should rewrite her books or anything. I, th- I think her books are brilliant. Let's, you know, say that. Well, I think also, like, I feel like if you summarize her books in one word, you can say that The Red Files is fun. And you can say that Shattered is... I use the word contemplative a lot to talk about that book because it is. It's a very thoughtful book. But but Requiem is passion. It is. That for me is that is that book. And I don't think that that passion would work in other books because Requiem is the book. That's just how that is. I mean, Allison is as well, but but that's why it works. I, I see what you're saying. But I think, for example, in The Red Files, if we had seen some of it from from Ez's perspective, that moment before she kisses Lauren, imagine if you had gotten into her head and seen what transpired before she decided to take that action. I know, and I want that. And if she and if you felt like writing that as a short story for us, Lee, that would be okay. We would be all right with that. And I'm going to say this again, because I don't want anybody to think that I don't love Lee Winters' books. I love every single one of them. But I had I sat for a long time dissecting why Requiem for Immortals touched my soul so deeply. And the others were good reads, but not life-changing events yeah. for me. Yeah. I actually think anybody who hasn't read Lee Winters' book, any of the, any of her books who, for whatever reason, has managed to listen this far into this podcast and is wondering where to start, read Requiem last. Do not read that book first. Do not make that the first book you read because it's not fair to go from, especially if you like to glom an author's books and read them all back to back, it's not fair to start with that one. You're not going to like the other ones as much because it's just too different. I think you could read Red Files and then Shattered. You could read Shattered and then Red Files. It doesn't really matter. If you want something fun and funny and light, pick up Red Files. If you want something kind of like thoughtful and um, about like serious character growth and about like shaking off disillusionment, pick up Shattered. Never ever ever start with requiem first or if you're going to do that wait like two months before you read the other two because you're doing them a disservice it's just not fair i'm not even being funny i read requiem uh, you know last year and i couldn't enjoy the red files until this year and i made sure i read the red files first before i reread requiem and did you enjoy it better this time i did i enjoyed it much more this time so this is why i say i love lee winter's work i love all her books so please, yeah. please don't t- take this in anything other than she's a superior author. And what I'm talking about here is degrees of brilliant and excellent, right? Um, yeah. So understand that. And the last thing I want to say about Requiem is that she bookends Requiem for Immortals with the same lines. And yet she changes them a little bit so that... It gives me goosebumps. So the first line in Requiem for Mortals is 
To say Requiem felt nothing was incorrect, a common misconception in her line of work. Disdain was not nothing. So that's the beginning of Requiem for Mortals. And then the last line in the book is, Because to say Natalia felt nothing was incorrect, a common misconception in her line of work. Because love was not nothing. So good. And interestingly enough, so her short story is called Love is Not Nothing. Mm-hmm. Which is also her last line. Mm-hmm. That's perfect. It is. It's it's entirely perfect. And uh, the brilliance that is Lee Winter novels. I know. I know. And we have to wait for the next one. Yeah. I I keep, you know, encouraging her. <laughs> I'm uh I I've been hoping that by doing the opposite and not asking too often that she's just moving along on her own and getting it done. No, I'm, I'm very unsubtle. I send her like links to books, like write, you know, how to write faster. Aww. That's not nice. <laughs> I look forward to when you're publishing your books and she becomes a fan and she sends you books about how to write faster. She won't be a fan of mine. My books are not really complex enough. I'm giving you the look. Alright, whatever. I'm gonna set fine. I will send you links to how to write faster. You've been listening to a special edition of the Lesbian Review Podcast. Thank you, Tara, very much for joining me today. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure. I like having you a lot. On many of my podcasts. <laughs> It's not weird unless you think it's weird. (laughs) That's Tara trying to convince herself. So don't forget to like this podcast and rate us on iTunes, Podbean and Stitcher. Come join us on Facebook. We're there somewhere. If you enjoyed this episode, you can find more like it on iTunes, Podbean or Stitcher by looking for The Lesbian Talk Show. That's the podcast channel. See you later, everybody. Bye. Oh, and don't forget... Check out the show notes. There's links to our reviews of Lee Winter's work. And spoiler, we love them all. All. All, all. My favorite thing is trying to guess what you're going to use as an outtake. Really? Yep. How come? I don't know. It's fun. (laughs) I suppose I do know. Because it's fun. Listen, I messaged you, like, literally within two minutes of being woken up this morning. (laughs) Oh, wow. I'm very impressed you're this lucid then. Yeah, I, and I put on other pants. They're still comfortable pants, but they're not the pants I slept in. Well, I'm glad, because all I can see is your head and shoulders. So thank you for putting on pants for me, Tara. You don't know what I'm wearing, though. <laughs> You're a woman of mystery. <laughs> yeah, I make lots of notes. <laughs> Good. I, I don't always remember to look at the notes, but I make them. <laughs> <laughs> That's beautiful. Shattered. Yes. That's the book's title, well then. <laughs> it is. Always has been. Behold my sexy Canadian accent. <laughs>